water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place to end the street than Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. Guys going down, guys stepping up. That's what football is all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now. Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Shane Beamer should spend more time yelling at his team and less time at Title IX honorees, who incidentally got in the end zone the same number of times as the Gamecocks offense on Saturday. Clemson is 3-0, and life is good. Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Nick, joined tonight by co-hosts Cody and Jarrett. Ben got the night off, and we are here to recap the Clemson 48-20 victory over the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs this last Saturday at Death Valley. Guys, really great to have you both back on the pod. Yeah, I'm excited to have Cody. This is his, uh, it's good to see him again. Yeah, I'm, I'm alive. I'm well. I've been watching Clemson football. Uh, so no, it's, it's great to be back. Great to be talking Clemson football again. Yeah, happy to chop it up here with you, Cody. Um, we haven't kind of heard from, uh, our listeners have heard from myself, from Jarrett, from Ben. So good to get some fresh, hopefully some fresh takes, fresh ideas and perspective on this team. Um, interesting game, uh, 48 to 20 doesn't necessarily, uh, paint a complete picture, um, of what, what went down on, on Saturday at Death Valley. So plenty of, for us to get into, I think what's incredible to me is we're at this quarter point mark of the season. And we talked a little bit, you know, in the first three or four weeks, um, coming back to do the show about how well the schedule set up, you know, this is a little bit of like a preseason before we really get into the harder matchups of the season. Um, I think that's going to hold true. Like everyone circled Notre Dame at the beginning of the year and maybe Miami. I think uh, new NC state is definitely going to be our hardest matchup. So um, good to get these earlier games underway and wanted to get your guys take just overall how you're feeling after three weeks of this football season. Cody, let's start with you. Yeah, I feel pretty good. I, 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 I think the way you said it totally, it's like, it's been like a preseason. I think that's accurate. It, th- there's been a lot of, uh, hiccups early and but I think it's all things we can overcome and the talent level like just screams out at me now the the outcomes haven't been there the execution hasn't been there but the the talent level and I mean that on the defense at certain parts of the offense and obviously DJ's development has been very promising so I know I'm I'm usually the more cynical the more negative one but I I'm actually I think this team has a very high ceiling just they're they're just nowhere near reaching it yet yeah I'd agree I think coming away from the first couple of games, like you said, you know, we have had those hiccups and especially with new coordinators and, and, um, you know, some new starters and some really young talent behind the starters. Um, I'm glad that we can have those hiccups against the first three games that we had against Georgia tech and Furman and La tech versus trying to have those hiccups versus UGA and their defense. And I think that's part of what happened. And maybe we didn't like to admit that, you know, yeah, they're kids and they can get rattled and that can shake their confidence for the whole season where they're always hearing footsteps and, you know, having all that self-doubt and stuff. So um, good to shake it out. Um, I hope that um, some of the things that we've seen and have slowly started to improve actually continue to improve. But, uh, you know, we need to see it against the tougher competition that we're about to face. A lot of people have talked to 
talked about Wake Forest being a team. You know, they're they're the Atlantic champions last year. They edged out NC State to win the division. Uh, went on to lose to Pitt. A lot of people have circled them as a, a team that can contend contend with Clemson. Can give us fits. They got Sam Hartman back. They obviously have Dave Clawson, very accomplished head coach there. He's elevated Wake. You know, I think to heights that not a lot of people expected once Jim Grove left. Um, down there, but their defense left a lot to be desired. And actually even their offensive line against Liberty of all teams. So I don't know necessarily that I would put wake this year's wake, even with, with some of those issues in the same breath as like a Georgia tech right now. I mean, they are the drags of the ACC. And then you've just got an FCS team in Furman and a G five team in Louisiana tech. Who's got itself a brand new head coach. I wouldn't put Wake on that level, but I also believe we're going to face a Wake team that had a lot of turnover and, and likely is going to be a little bit less less potent than the team we faced last year that Clemson handled by three scores and change um, last season. Yeah, it's clear. We, I mean, we have more talent than them. We out-talented them last year. Um, and that, we talk about how much talent we have this season. I mean, that's all true, but also we almost, we played a pretty competitive game with Georgia Tech. And and a little bit too close for comfort against Louisiana Tech. So I, I agree with you. Totally. I think we'll I think we'll beat them, but it, it's definitely not a sure thing. It, I don't think anybody thought that coming into the season, but it feels like feels like it's going to be pretty close. What, what's the spread? Is it like eight points? I think it was seven and a half when it opened. Might have moved a little bit off of that since. Um, but yeah, I think, Cody, my point is, yes, obviously the talent is there. I think... Um, you play, you play with mistakes, you play with some of the setbacks that Clemson has. Maybe if we have some similar injury profiles coming into the game, this can be a competitive game against Wake. Like they're, they're talented enough. They're well-coached enough to challenge a Clemson and to take advantage of the mistakes that this team has put on film. And I don't, I want to get into you guys to talk about the coaching adjustments that we've seen game to game to see if that's been improving. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, this, this will not be a cakewalk. I don't think unless Clemson can start to you know, iron out some of those issues. You're right. The looking back at the Wake Forest Liberty game, like it kind of started out with Wake pulling away and then Liberty got a safety. And then after they got a safety, I'm pretty sure that like Liberty actually took the lead in the third quarter and then Wake caught up and it all came all the way down to uh, Liberty missed a two point conversion. So it's 30, they, you know, beat Liberty 36, 37 but had they made that two-point run, it would have been a tie game with, like, a minute left, and it probably would have gone to overtime. And, you know, Liberty even had twice – they had four turnovers versus Wakes, too, and Wake still couldn't, uh, you know, really turn that into a lot of extra points. So, uh, you know, it's one game. Uh, sometimes weird stuff happens, but I guess, if anything, I'm staring at Wake this season and a little more, like, confused than I thought I would be. Guys, I know I took us to our next opponent first. Um, why don't we take a look back at our last opponent, Louisiana Tech? So in this game, I think what a lot of us were looking for is this team to play with a Dabo called complementary football, where the offense wasn't setting its defense up with short fields or you know long times of possession, extending drives, you know capitalizing on opponent mistakes, and really um, setting the tone. I think we saw that against Furman in the first quarter, and then we saw that again against Louisiana Tech. Like, I think Clemson's offense got out to a good start. Um, where this game got a little wonky, it was like later in the first quarter, once you saw receivers who came out looking strong. I mean, Joe and Gata had a deep 
uh, deep reception. He should yeah, have had beautiful. a touchdown. Yeah, beautiful catch. Um, you know, just the offense seemed to be kind of clicking early on uh, with the receivers and even the O-line getting some push um, in the running game. And then just sort of la- the team got a little bit lax and Louisiana Tech fought back a bit. And um, in the second quarter, you know, come halftime, it's a 13-6 game. Um, There's clearly that, you know, great series where the defense stopped Louisiana Tech, got the blocks field goal. Barrett Carter, bless his heart, for trying to run that back, coughed it back up. Um, so in this one, it was just kind of a, a little bit of a weird first half. And just wanted to ask you guys, like, obviously there are drive, drive stalling drops, that kind of thing. Like that has plagued Clemson in past seasons as well. Um, seems like our receivers kind of take two steps forward, one step back at times. I mean, is that coaching? Is that execution from these guys? Like, what, what, how would you guys attribute that, those mistakes? Because they seem to keep happening. Yeah, it's it's tricky. And I went through the game and did a rewatch and because I, I was trying to figure that out. I'm like, I felt like DJ played really well. I thought the receivers made some catches. There were maybe one drop by Ngata. Um, I thought the offensive line did seem to do okay and the running game seemed to do okay. So, But I'm like, how did we come away with just 13 points? And the, the best I could say is I, I feel like the there were just errors all over the place. And it's hard to like chalk that up to any specific position group. Um, like for example, Marcus Tate had a had a missed block that led to the sack of DJ, um, and God, I think had a drop pass in the first half. Just a lot of random mistakes there, and it's hard to like circle any one thing. Like I, I can't even. I have no gripes with the play calling. I think Brandon Streeter has done a fine job. I, I know others may disagree, but I, I think he's done an okay job. I think he did an okay job in this one. I think DJ was pretty good. Um, <laughs> totally give him the thumbs down. Uh, but I think. I, I can't like circle one thing in, in this one to say this was the reason we scored 13 points. The the you cited the field goal block, big swing of momentum. Uh, that, that's all I can really point to, Jared. What, I mean, what do you think? Yeah, no, I think that the um, I think there was also I think it was in the first half where we had a pick and then pretty much like didn't really move the ball anywhere and then like punted them the ball and they got the ball back at midfield. So it's like we got the pick, did nothing with it, and they basically got the ball back like right where they threw the pick from. So. You know, it's basically like we just held on to the ball for a couple of minutes and then gave it back. Um, so like you said, like errors, just like a little bit of um, little inconsistency. I know that Streeter mentioned that he felt after the game that he got away from the run game a little too early and was trying to build DJ some confidence, airing it out. Um, but, you know, mentioning the drops and the uh, something that's also a theme is like, lack of separation you know and it feels like from what i've seen from antonio williams and from adam randall i mean these guys are coming out like ready to rock and roll and um i think that what we're gonna see is just this younger thin layer of new receivers really start to push out you know those older people like ingata um and maybe even specter and um just uh some of those other people on the team I guess maybe Ngata is kind of the one where we're just – we've waited so long for him to be who we think he's going to be. He's had some plays throughout the year that are great, but he doesn't seem to get a ton of separation. And then, you know, if he gets banged up, he pulls himself out of the game, you know. So um, I, I'm hoping that this younger group of receivers, and even that includes Bo Collins and Dakari flashed a little last year. So hopefully – I think that's the missing link is this the wide receivers just being consistent. They don't have to be perfect, just get separation. Have, have some good blocks, Titans included. I think we're seeing a little bit of that from Brenningstool too. And Davis Island is always reliable. But, like, if we can get that consistent 
consistent hands, then I think that helps move the chains uh, a lot easier. Jerry, you, you. you have a good point about the receivers getting separate separation. Like that is something that's been a critique. It's hard to make that critique as a fan when you don't have mm -hmm. all the camera angles and you can't see downfield. And this is same with like evaluating DBs, but I think mm -hmm. you're right. And I'll give DJ some credit. It seems like most of his passes are pretty accurate. Like they're not all like perfectly placed, but they're, they're way in, better. They're than in the vicinity. Year. Yeah. It's a lot better than last year. So I, I'm with you. I feel like, ultimately it comes down to some wide receiver setting themselves apart. And it looks like it's clearly that's one of those guys is going to be Antonio Williams. It'll be interesting to see if Randall's one of those. Other. He played mean in like the, the couple of uh, the couple of uh, attempts he had or, or catches mm -hmm. he had, he, he played mean and I haven't seen that in a Clemson wide receiver in quite a while. Mm -hmm. I say this in a good way. He was chirping a good amount, the opposing DBs. So I loved it. Good, yeah. good to have, you know, a little, little swagger, a little pride. Um, I one one thing I read, um, was that when you look at sort of the the spread of the passing plays, uh, Clemson was something like one for 10 with balls like over the shoulder catches or balls against the sideline. And um, it I the question thrown out there, I think from Chris from formerly of Clemson pause was that are these receivers actually giving enough, enough lane or enough room on the sideline for GJ to fit the ball in, you know, over their shoulder or what have you. So that could be a technique thing. If you're starting to see those trends emerge and you take a look, Cody, I don't think we have a, an, what is it? The all 11 film or whatever to go down the sideline. But um, anyway, like there could be some technique there. It is interesting what you mentioned about these, Jared, the, the, the new young crop coming in. Um, I, I think we've, we heard Ngata was like the next T. I think we've been waiting for him to be the next new new Hopkins. And where we're at now is we're waiting for him to be the next Cornell Powell. And yeah. again, you're seeing flashes of it. My hope is he can stay healthy and be on the field because he does look like he can go up and high point that ball and come down with a contested ball. I think it's, you know, the consistency part. And unfortunately, I wish they had kept going back to him, you know, with slants, that kind of thing. Like, let him make up for that mistake. Um, and that's where I want to get back to Cody's point about, about play calling, like definitely moving away from the run early on that, that reared its head. We saw in the second half, the loan adjustment they made in Clemson's offense took off was pounding the rock with Shipley and with Phil Mappa that definitely worked out. Um, and then it opened up kind of the rest of the offense, but I feel like um, giving, giving the tight ends chance to roam over the middle there were almost, I think there was like one attempt over the middle of the field in the first half, something like that. And I don't know that Louisiana Tech was playing the type of scheme coverage, you know, that should shut Clemson down over the middle. Like, I don't think they had the bodies or the talent to do that. I know it was just the coaches picking their poison away from that. But um, the other thing to remember here, guys, I guess, is like this was, this was a game where they still did want to make those sacrifices to make those decisions. And this is a game where they wanted to, to develop guys, wanted to develop their own line, get that cohesion, you know, in the second half, they wanted to do it in the first half with pass protection, second half with the run blocking. So I think I'm fine still, like we're not putting the entire, you know, Brandon Streeter era on blast here for play calling because by all rights, we haven't yet played a defensive opponent where he's got to pull out all the stops. We're, we're going to see that in two weeks. We're going to mm -hmm. see the level of defensive competition start this week. Um, then I think after we've seen one or two of those games, like, should we start to really critique this stuff? But 
Cody, I, I would not go so far as to say I like Streeter's play calling. <laughs> it's it, all right. So it's easy to say in hindsight that we should have went to the run because in the second half that kind of validated that. Yeah, we should have been run heavy and allowing allowing Shipley and Mafa to really to do their thing. And ultimately, that defense was going to break down under. And and by the way, another credit to DJ. He is doing a fantastic job in zone reads and and quarterback draws and knowing when to run and when to when to uh, hand off. And I think just having him as that threat starts to st- like stress and stress the defense. And mm-hmm. I think it, I think that ultimately the, the bubble kind of popped in the second half and the running game just and Shipley obviously took off for some touchdowns. So easy to say in hindsight, they should have done that. My thought is they probably came in with the intention. It's like, hey, we have one game left to for DJ to really like get to that next level with his confidence. And I think we want to achieve that through the past game. So I think they came they came in with the, the objective of have DJ connect with receivers. And, you know, you can you can cr- criticize it, you know, as a Monday Monday uh Arm, armchair quarterback or whatever it's called but i don't know I, I think streeter had an intention it wasn't you know it had to do more with like bringing dj along and it's confidence. i can believe that yeah i can believe that yeah yeah and i think they did have that one third down conversion from davis allen over the middle and um yeah that, surprise surprise the middle's up and you know <laughs> <laughs> and fans want to see it go there that's right yeah uh completely agree cody like and again, let's see it against a, an elite defense when the game's on the line and we got to move the chains. Like, where's the ball distribution going? What do the play calls look like? I think the question in these first three weeks was like, who can they rely on? Like, in a pinch, who's the go-to third down guy? I feel like at this point, it's Antonio Williams. Like, we've seen consistency yeah. from him. Um, I don't have his targets up. He only had two catches on the night. One of those was a sick touchdown grab over yeah. a defender, got the foot in right at the goal line. Um, we mentioned in God, I had a great catch, a little bit of a quiet night from some of the other wide receivers. Great. See Adam Randall, obviously get his first catch, um, that we mentioned, but guys, like, I want to talk about another receiver, Drew Sweeney. He looked pretty okay. good. He's better than Will Sweeney. I see you. hundred <laughs> percent. Right. He's the best. Yeah, he, just, he, he looked fluid out there. He looked, yeah. looked I don't know. He looked comfortable. Mm-hmm. Oh. I liked what I saw. Like Will had some great hands. Let me give give him credit. But man, was he slow. I think he had Dabo's speed. Um, Drew has Kathleen's speed. He's he's quick. Like he looks more like Hunter Renfro. <laughs> Where to get the hands, Cody? Yeah. Dabo's, uh, Dabo's got hands for sure. All right. It, it, he's good. got the like the junior bullet in the cough. Okay. Yeah. Um well, we touched a little bit on the running game. I mean, Will Shipley had an awesome game. It was great to see him. Like, it seemed like he wasn't having – he didn't want to be in a slog of a drive. He's like, let me let me hit this hole. Let me burst through um, on that long 32-yard touchdown that he had. Um, he almost busted a couple more. I mean, Shipley had a great night. Like, awesome to see. I think this was, what, his sixth two-touchdown game as a Tiger? Something like that. Which, like, you know, last year he was injured – Last year, offensively, was a little bit of a debacle. Like, I would think for a guy that pretty much started as a freshman, you could see a world in which he, a Clemson running back like that would would start to accumulate more of those games. But mm-hmm. I think his career is off to a tremendous start. Um, but I did also like to see how they were distributing the ball a bit. And I think that Phil Maffa has definitely been taking advantage of a lot of his opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, they are the, the one-two punch at this point with Kobe Pace coming in as a relief uh, sort of running back at this point. Um, I do want to say I read from Quacking Tigers recap on Shaking the Southland that 
Shipley had at least one bust in pass protection. And I think mm-hmm. that's something that's also, you know, if you're Kobe Pace and you want to earn a little bit more of your playing time and time on the field, pass pro, that's the place to earn your earn your keep a little bit. That's where they went um, after ETN, after his freshman year, because he was just, even in the Bama game, like he was getting blown up um, in 2017. And it's like, yeah, it's like you can be such a talented running back, but like if you're not willing to stand in there and hit somebody or chip somebody or just put some hands on them, not that Shipley isn't or not that any of them aren't, but it's like, um, I think maybe even for the average fan, it's like you need to realize that like that's part of their job, not just to grab the rock and run home. Yeah, because if every time they're in, we have to hand them the ball for them to be effective, like that's going to get pretty obvious what we're what we're calling, what we're running. And that's mm-hmm. easy to scheme against as well. Like you not, you need to have that plausibility, you know, in the, what is it? The, um, yeah, either the run pass option or um, play action, you know, that these guys can be out there and hold their own in a blocking situation. And I think NC State's got the kind of defensive line and defensive front that can definitely punish you. So that's one to look for maybe in this weight game, like which of these guys um, is going to show up best in pass protection. In, in fairness to Shipley, like he's, he's a willing blocker and he's, a, he plays the game. Like he's very smart. So it's not a thing of not knowing where the, the blitz is coming or who to pick up. I think he's got that, like he's got those fundamentals. I think it's more like he just got manhandled one time. I think that, that's what QT was pointing out. And then a second mm-hmm. time he, he went for the legs I think the commentator made a made a comment like they got guys falling at DJ's feet. That's not good for your quarterback. But um, but yeah, I, I agree. Like to your original point, Tully. Like I think Shipley is like distancing himself. I think Mafa is like that's a really one, good one-two punch. If you remember, like the last seven years, I don't think we've had quite like a, a one-two stable like that. I think Etienne and Feaster they tried to make it like that, but really it was very top-heavy with Etienne. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what I'd like to see in these next two games both at wide receiver and running back. And it's kind of goes back to your point, Jarrett, like there are some guys distancing themselves. Can we just let them get a lot more reps, let them play the entire first quarter. I, I can't imagine they're that winded. I know they like to rotate in guys, but I think it's time for DJ to develop more continuity with some of the top end talent. And there is separation. Yeah, I agree. And I'm, I'm a little concerned uh, with pace moving down to kind of like third string the last couple of games. Cause I mean, you know, for a while he has been – he's had that starting role a couple times, I believe. And um, I guess in the era of the transfer portal, like, you know, anytime somebody who's been there a while starts to get buried in the depth chart, like, you know, back – the hair on the back of my neck starts to stand up a little bit out of just fear. I mean, Quadzilla is going to be great. And uh, – but, you know, I'd, I'd rather keep all three of those guys. Yeah, and I mean, guys like DJ Cody, you mentioned it a little bit in the, the zone read game, but DJ ran for for another nine carries in this game. My sweet spot coming to the year was about the ten mark, and I think he definitely exceeded that against Georgia Tech. Um, good outing against Furman as well. So, yeah, running game seems pretty healthy. I guess from a blocking scheme perspective, I'd have to go and look at what Louisiana Tech ranks nationally in SP plus run defense. Um, just to understand, like, is the is the push that O-line got something that it did look improved? Let's just call it what it is. We want to give credit. You know, is that something we should take take a lot of uh, a lot of faith in moving forward? Or is it that we faced, you know, a middling Sunbelt team in this matchup? We will see. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but 48 points on the day, guys. I mean, great to see Clemson get into that upper 40s zone on the scoreboard. Um, I think the average points per game as far in the season, when you look like David Hale from ESPN posted this on his Twitter earlier today, or maybe it was late last night, just talking about the average points per game, like at this point of the season over the last, over the last like 11, 12 years. Um, and pretty much every year this Clemson offense has been, been up there in terms of points. Last year was the big step back. Uh, mm-hmm. And then this year is right back up to where we were previously. Again, you got to, that does not calibrate at all for competition. So you, you throw a six point performance, wasn't it against Georgia? Is it three mm-hmm. points or six points? Um, either uh, one it, didn't get in the end zone last year. Um, yeah, that'll, that'll tank your average really quickly, but also tough showings last year, I think in the early going against like Georgia Tech. So um, it does seem like a different offense this year and one where we haven't even come close to seeing the full potential play out yet. So very encouraging from the offensive standpoint through three games. That's my takeaway. Agreed. Agreed. It, and I didn't think after Georgia Tech that DJ could, I, or I shouldn't say after Georgia Tech, I, I think he made small strides. And I'm like, I don't, I think it's more of DJ from last year after that game. I've seen enough progression to think, okay, I think this is a like a conference championship caliber quarterback. Like he's there and he can make further strides, but I think there's enough talent. Like we don't talk about the tight ends, but there's, there's talent there. Brennan still was used as a wide out for a lot of the game, which should tell you a little bit about some of the wide receiver stable. Like he's, he's in the five spot. Um, Totally. And I think the, the between the running back, like the running back talent, and then the offensive line, I, there's talent there. Whether or not it's co- it's it's there's a lot of cohesion and and they're working well together. I, I think they'll get there. But the talent's there, like the clay's there. So I, I think I think it should improve as the uh, the season rolls along. Yeah, I agree. That's probably why they're keeping a lot of the O line people in there, you know, for most of the games, these uh, first three games, and not doing a lot of substitutions. Hopefully, it's not because they truly don't trust you know, some of the guys behind them and that they're just trying to really gel that first team. Guys, are you ready for the tinfoil hat? Let's get please, it. Please, please. All right. Wake Forest is the fourth game of the season. Get K Club Nick some reps this week. Get him a little bit against NC State. And then he can't transfer. And then we, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where, where this comes in as a, as a uh, conspiracy here. But I... I guess, like, if you wanted to be a conspiracy theorist about the coaching staff wanting K to be the guy, um, I guess it would be more that you want DJ to stay as a backup policy for Cade. So we, we keep DJ happy here in the early going, and then you get through these games, and then maybe you look at upping his count. I think if you were, like, there's Cade has not been given the full opportunity to showcase his talent. I mean, and I, I just wanted to get both of your guys' take for that. Clearly, when he came in in this game and against Furman, you know, he did not show the flashes we saw against Georgia Tech. Um, do I really believe that Cade, like, should have come in in those situations and lit the world up? Like, I don't. I think in the game circumstance, like, it wasn't likely for him, him to be able to do that. Um, I don't know if he was, like, perfectly warmed up and whatnot, if he would have lit the world on fire. But um, anyway, the, the Cade show continued... I think the calls for him to replace DJ have quieted some, mm-hmm. but should they have? It, it's a great question. And everyone, it's like, it's decided. It's, it's all like, we, we were such idiots in week one forever suggesting that Cade should, should uh, overtake DJ. There was a small sample size contingent. And I say that in quotes, small sample size. 
because they said, oh, it's just one series from Cade Klubnik against Georgia Tech where he marched down the field. And that same contingent, I haven't heard a word from them at, you know, after two more games because Cade's gotten a lot of very, I would call it small sample size uh, type action. I, you know, I don't know. I know you're just kind of joking totally about like uh, tin full hat stuff and there being a chance that he could overtake DJ. DJ showed enough right now, but I, I don't, I think it's far from like, like Cade's not the right solution. Like I, if, if DJ went down right now, I, I think, I think Cade's got enough talent and enough like legs and speed. We could be a very competitive team and po- and probably win the, the ACC. I'll leave it. So, at yeah. So the, um, I think one thing that was interesting is like, if you watch Cade, there was uh, one point where they got the camera on him after it was very clear that like DJ was going in on the next drive and you could see him just kind of walking around, kind of shaking his head, talking to people and be like, ah, ah, just, and it's probably the first time in the kid's career. Cause he won like three state titles in Texas. So it's like probably the first time in his career that he's realizing like, ah, I'm just not getting it done or like, we're not moving the chains and like, you know, it's a, it's a different animal and stuff like that. So he's, he's really getting those gut check moments without ruining not ruining, but like without us really losing the game or anything like that. So the stakes are right where you kind of want someone to be, where you can kind of bring them in, put them with the the ones and twos, get them under a stressful situation, let them make those young mistakes without costing the game, and then pull them out just as a reminder, like, hey, you're super talented. But like literally they pulled him out, and the next drive DJ marched down for a touchdown. And, I mean, DJ's just made so much improvement um, in my opinion, you know, throwing that ball in stride to Antonio Williams on his outstretched forearm when he had a defender on his other hip, I mean, perfect throw uh, in my uneducated uh, mind. But, yeah, so I love Cade. I think he's going to be great. And I, I think the best we can hope for is that him to just get more time, more time, and to finally, like, settle in. Because you can tell he's still uncomfortable stepping into the pocket as a young kid would be, and he wants to scoot out and use his feet, you know, because he's used to doing that in high school and being able to – you know, outrun everybody. Yeah. He's kind of got that thing of like, he's, he's like a kid that hasn't been burned by the stove yet. So he just kind of runs. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Whereas like DJ's, sure. DJ's got like a ton of scars. Yet. What was that Tully? Well, I was saying like, I, that's a great analogy, Cody. He looks like that when he's throwing the ball, like mm-hmm. he's trying to fit that ball in tight pockets. I don't even know if the receiver's expecting it. Like he, he probably ought to have thrown three, three interceptions by now. Thankfully he hasn't. But mm-hmm. and it's happening in practice, so we're hearing that. So yeah, yeah. he's and and conversely, right. there's like DJ who's has like all these scars, a lot of them from Georgia, uh, 2021. <laughs> where that's like trying and to it. like get past that trauma, and he and he is, and he's doing a great job. But like, I think they needed like they're trying to dial DJ up, and then mm-hmm. simultaneously trying to dial K down, but in in very limited action, I should say too. No doubt. All right, well, the Tigers head on the road. It's a noon game, Eastern time on Saturday to Wake Forest. Um, I think if Liberty can do what they did, Clemson should have should, – offense should be able to get get moving in this game. Um, and hopefully they'll be geared up for this and healthy. Um, did you guys hear any, any concerns from a health perspective coming out of this game on the offensive side before we move over to defense? I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, that's good. Not off the top of my head. Yeah. All right. Great. Well, let's shift to the D.
injury luck guys was not with the Tigers in this one. Um, I think by the time the team snapped the ball, how many was it? I mean, if you want to count Xavier Thomas as a would-be starter, I think the Tigers were down six starters, I believe, in this game. Um, and something like that. Something like that. And then you also had Trey Williams, a reserve, you know, not be able to go. So mm-hmm. uh, any any kind of cr- criticism that you have for this defense, I think you need to evaluate and acknowledge. Like, And look, not every guy played a perfect game on the team, and we'll talk about some of that. Um, but for the most part, part i think expectations were lowered a bit and louisiana tech style of play their modified air raid type offense under first year head coach sonny cumby that that's an offensive style that can stress you especially your secondary especially your secondary that's as, as thin as clemson was missing Makuba, missing nate wiggins mm-hmm. um and eventually or actually the whole game missing sheridan jones so you're down your you know, three of your four starters in the secondary and Clemson's not very deep there to begin with this year. Um, a lot of youth getting on the field in uh, Lucas and pride um, mm-hmm. as well as like Jalen Phillips kind of was cast into a lot larger of a role in this one. So um, I think I'm trying not to look too deeply into individual performances in the secondary being troublesome. Um, but yeah, I, the injury bug sucked, but I think in this one, what's a silver lining to this is all the guys that we were able to get those reps. Uh, we mm-hmm. mentioned some of the youth in the secondary, also some youth up front on the lines. They're on the line in the linebacking core. Um, we saw Wade Wudas on there, uh, out there in the game playing a significant number of snaps. Like, good to get these guys, these young guys, some reps. I think in seasons past with Trevor Lawrence on the team. It, we would get a lot of these guys reps. We play a hundred tigers because mm-hmm. Clemson would have a 35 point lead, you know, midway mm-hmm. through the third quarter in this, in this era right now, it's gotta be these games against these teams. And maybe we play tighter games at times than the fan base would like, but these guys are still getting their reps. It's invaluable experience. And from a defensive perspective, there are going to be injuries. These guys are going to go down. So good to get, good to get more guys on the field. Yeah, I know that at one point we had, I think, three-fourths of the defensive backs starters out and three-fourths of the defensive line starters out. And, I mean, that's tough. Like you said, the Pride and Lucas are really talented kids, and they're going to be great players, I hope. Um, and I think it was good for them. I mean, Pride got burned, like, a bunch. And I imagine he's the type of competitor that's going to see that film and, like, take notes and, like, come back um, – stronger than he has played so far. Um, and yeah, I think at one point we had all four fresh, we had like four freshmen in the secondary uh, near like the end of the game. Uh, so yeah, young guys, injury sucks. I still don't know what the F happened to Tyler Davis. They won't tell us. It's just like after the first game, he's been out. Well, one yeah, I'm not sure exactly what his injury is, Jarrett. One of the things that I was taking away also as a silver lining or as a, a positive, um, I believe Makuba was going to be able to go. It was a pain tolerance question, not not anything else. It was, I think, the, the team saying, let's not risk it here against Louisiana yeah. Tech. Dislocated um, his elbow and put it back in place. I mean, that's pretty metal, but like, yeah, it's, <laughs> you know, it's still a dislocated joint that's going to need time to be inflamed and then heal and all those kinds of stuff. So. Right. So he could have gone, Tyler Davis apparently could have gone. Like there are several of these injuries where mm-hmm. um, the players, if needed, could have suited up. Hopefully with yet another week of rest, they'll be able to, to go this weekend. 
Um, breaking news, I guess, Xavier Thomas was not on the depth chart, not on the 2D for the, the Clemson trip up to Winston-Salem. So maybe NC State, uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's a game you want to kind of bring him out, out of mothballs to put him out there. Uh, but it se- sure seems like it won't be Wake Forest where we, we get XT back. Um, but going back, I just think it, it somehow seems like a positive to me that these guys would have been able to go, the coaches held them back, to get the rest of the team that playing time. And I don't know, just it, it, not necessarily a silver lining here, but just gave me confidence. Like, yes, this coaching staff does have faith in the team that's here does want to see them develop, like knew we could handle Louisiana Tech. And I think it's all good. I just, man, we need Tyler. That's all I'm saying. But I guess, guys, like in this one with the guys that were out, like where did you feel like we felt the absence is the worst? Was that up front? Was that in the secondary? What do we think? Well, Jared and I were talking a little bit before the podcast, so a couple things. The, the secondary, definitely some lapses, miscommunications, it seemed. Uh, you, you, you worry a little bit about the youth and, and just the, the instincts that aren't there yet. Uh, but definitely the talent, I, I'd say that with pride and, and, and Lucas, but also we went into a, uh, to a three, four or in, putting an extra safety out there. Um, yeah. The odd so, front. Yeah. Which like was kind of reminiscent of 2019 when, uh, when Isaiah Simmons was kind of tr- patrolling the back end and we had some new, the power Rangers had just left the previous year. So we had some new talent on the, on the front end. With I think it was like Tyler Davis and and Xavier Thomas, mm-hmm. so uh, I think the the big thing that was interesting was did they do that? Like the question I have is like was was West trying to do this like as a, as a tactical measure against the air raid, or did he want to, or was he just doing it because he was down a few linemen, uh, particularly along the interior, and he wanted to get and put some pressure on his back end a little bit or showcase his linebacker speed? I don't know. That that was kind of I thought it was interesting. I thought it was a pretty pretty uh, astute move by West to go into the the three, four uh, front. I don't know, Jerry, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah. The, the three fours, I think definitely came from the fact that like you're down Brzee, you're down Trey Williams, you're down Tyler Davis. So like, you know, pretty much, and you're down XT. So you've got like basically like Maskell, Rook, um, you know, Page KJ. Kpart. Yeah. Kpart. And so, yeah, I would say that. And then he also knows that he's going to keep, that as a staple in the defense and in, in the scheme so it's like might as well use this as an opportunity like you said to kind of stress the the back end see what those linebackers look like in space flying around and stuff but I mean there were times for sure we went back to a 4-3 front I mean definitely like there were some goal line stands where you know they went straight up you know base 4-3 um, all that kind of stuff so I think it was a little bit of everything and maybe another thing too is that like how much confidence we feel that Wes is able to like really prod those guys and get the same out of them that Venables was by, you know, Venables made people feel like he's going to do the Indiana Jones, Kali Ma, like rip people's heart out if they miss a tackle, you know, Goodwin, you know, doesn't inspire that same amount of fear, at least to me, <laughs> I'm not in the, in the, you know, linebacker room, but psychological, what, what not physical yeah. fear. Yeah, Venables looks like he has to get like new teeth every week because he crushes them with his own jaw. <laughs> I mean, there's no doubt schematically or you know X's and O's that I think Wes Goodwin has that. Apparently, he was that he, yeah. he was the right hand man of Venables and gave him a lot of you know advice along those lines. I don't I, unequivocally I don't think he'll ever be able to provide that level of energy and 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 
passion or whatever it, it was, the yeah. intangibles that Venables gave. Um, there's, they're like polar opposites in, in that regard. Uh, but also Dabo, I never see, I never saw him during the Venables era call out players, call out the player, the defense for its intensity, or um, call out a specific player. And that that really stood out to me. So it's like that when I heard that, I didn't think, wow, good on Dabo for calling out the defensive players. I thought, wow, there's clearly like not that central point of accountability in the defensive locker room, which that's actually was concerning to me. I, I don't like because with Venables, he would he would talk to guys. He would he would hold guys accountable if that was an issue. Um, so anyhow, long, long rant. But yeah, I, I don't I don't think that is a good sign. When you when you're talking about a player called out, do you mean Miles Murphy last week, Cody? Right. Which, by the way, he had a nice nice bounce back today or uh, mm -hmm. on Saturday. Yeah, he had yeah. two TFLs, one sack, uh, three three tackles, and definitely creating some havoc. So um, and it's been not so easy quiet too, this year. Yeah, yeah, I literally forgot about him when I was naming off the the linemen <laughs> just now. We love you, Miles. Well, something that the D line really got into, and I, you know. How much of this was on Louisiana Tech's quarterback? I'm not sure, but batting the balls down, guys. Like it yeah. was left and was right, leading leading to picks. It was a record. Like love to see that. Get those hands up. Um, yeah. Don't well, know how sustainable balls. that is, but that's nice. Nice to see. Yeah, I, I really like our linebacker core. I think like we were talking about the three four set. I think it allowed like allowed us to send a lot of different blitzes. Put Trent Simpson on the line at times. Uh, it, I think that was part of it, but between him and Carter and, and now putting chart and now Trotter as the starter, like that is a lot of linebacker speed that we're not used to. And it was, it was, I don't think the three, four thing is going to be the staple. Like you said, Jared, I think it'll, it'll move back to more four, three. That'll be, I mean, when you have that much talent along the de the defensive line, like that's what you're going to do. And that's the, ultimately the winning strategy. But man, it, I think in short, in short instances or in the right situations, uh, that three, four, putting it on film was a good idea because like there, there's something there with that much linebacker speed. Well, and you also get Malcolm Green on the field. So those three guys you listed, Cody, are the, those are the starters three across with Simpson, with Trotter and with Carter. Then you bring in Malcolm Green as that fourth linebacker slash, you know, roving cornerback. Um, that's pretty nice. He's basically the nickel at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like we saw that probably also just to pad the numbers in the back because of the youth in the secondary. So getting another experienced guy like Malcolm Green out there. Um, in terms of maybe overall coverage, like some of this was on linebacker, some of this was also on the corners early on with the youth. I thought one of the things that the coaching staff was hoping to clean up coming out of that Furman game was uh, just playing tight man coverage at the line. Early on in this one, it did seem like Louisiana Tech you know, as we got later into the first quarter, into the second, seemed like they were getting all they wanted right at the line of scrimmage. I don't think that was strategic by any means. Might have just been players kind of executing their assignment. Didn't notice that as much down the stretch in the game. So probably something that was coached on the sideline. But um, yeah, that's something definitely burned the team in the past and is something to continue to look for. Look for. Agree. Let me ask. Let me ask you guys: Was there anything else about the way that Wes Goodwin and Mickey Khan kind of set this game up, knowing they were going to be down guys? Like, I don't really think there was ever a point where Louisiana Tech looked, you know, like they were necessarily about to turn the tide of this game. Um, definitely, the the halftime score left something to be desired and isn't good for the brand necessarily. 
but I, those six points they got were very hard fought six points. Like I, I did not expect them to be coming close to 20 points in this game. And obviously it took garbage time to get there. But um, yeah, I think for my, for my money, I thought Wes and the coaching staff set this team up pretty well. They just needed to see these young guys play. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I saw the final score. I was at a wedding. Didn't get to see the first watch. Uh, Jarrett, Ben, and I were talking about you know how the defense will perform. I said it'll be a statement game, and I looked at. It, I said, "Oh wow, they gave up twenty points after seeing the final score." And and then I watched the game uh, and realized, oh well, a lot of that was garbage time. And they were putting Kate in. His drives were stalling out. Bad field position. So I don't put too much stock into like the final score and the fact that there are twenty points. Like you said, totally. Like they did a good job of holding them to six points and very and hard fought six points too. Um, I think it was a pretty overall, like I give it an A, maybe an A minus uh, by Wes and company. Uh, and I, I mean, you maybe you feel differently about the season so far. I, I feel I feel fine given the injury uh, in this game, feel, given the injuries and uh, the circumstances. If you the more we talk about it, the more I think that it is possible that like the reason we gave up so many yards and stuff is like putting knowing that we have the horsepower to pretty much pull away from LA tech at any time, then yeah, maybe put those younger guys in those really conflicting situations or even just like getting them burned on purpose because you know that like, they're still young. It's not that you're trying to burn them on purpose, but like you're putting them in this position and it's like, if they get burned, they get burned, but it's not going to cost us the game um, in that kind of situation. Kind of almost like we were talking about with Cade. We're like, yeah, we may, we may look back and realize like, wow, these coaches and I'm going to sound like a, a, orange tinted glass pool right here but it's like we may look back and say hey these coaches were actually super smart bringing these guys in in the right situation under the right amount of pressure to get kind of you know punched around a couple times and then not but it's not going to like cost the game so you know probably uh, uh who knows but we'll have to see in retrospect in a couple of weeks you know and jared i don't even know if a couple weeks is going to be when we really see that bear out because if half the team wasn't playing in this week, but we hope touch wood, they are going to be the guys going in a couple weeks. I think it's going to be perhaps more unfolding down the stretch of the season where, and again, you know, hopefully we're not in a situation where we're thin in any of these position groups, but getting more of these guys that playing time, I think is going to help out later on. And I do expect, I mean, I think you even asked us the question in the season preview do do we expect um or no it was, a, it was a twitter user do we expect like lucas and pride to be getting playing time this season and I, like or you know make an impact as freshmen mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not so far not through three games i don't necessarily expect that but maybe one of these guys does emerge and takes over a spot from fred davis who who you know had an up and down game again yeah, I think I saw that same tweet where it was kind of asking, like, who has the better freshman – who's the better freshman duo? Is it Randall and Williams as wide receivers, or is it Pride and Lucas as cornerbacks? And I think pretty um, pretty soundly it's the wide receiver freshman, even though it's mainly been 90% um, Antonio Williams. But, uh, yeah, there's still lots of games to be played. I'm, yeah, I'm, you mentioned Fred Davis, Tully. I'm not convinced that he's ready to be a starter. I think when Wiggins is back, 
he should be well and jones uh, he should be supplanted it's his third year and i'm by the way i'm not i'm not harping on this guy i know he had some off the field issues a lot of people have come down hard on him i don't care you know forgiveness but he just hasn't been a, a great player i've seen it. he looks like a freshman at times himself he's just a little bit lost a step slow um so if if that's the case like i'd rather see pride and and lucas brought uh, brought along right cuz Davis has had his chances, has had some reps. I don't believe there's been injury preventing him from seeing the field. So um, agree with you, Cody. I back you up on that. Um, all right, guys. I mean, again, I think on both sides of the ball, questions remain. Things need to get buttoned up. Let's hope Wake, you know, Wake isn't going to be another tune-up game. This is a legit ACC foe at this point. They may be, they're going to be a wounded animal coming off this Liberty game. Um, I'd almost have rather they blow Liberty out 70 to nothing versus like have a lot of coachable film to correct before Clemson. But um, in any, any event, we're going to learn from Liberty's successes as well, you know, in game planning for this. So um, should be a good game. I, for one, welcome these early games. I'm up. I mean, we're on the West Coast. So we get that benefit. But mm -hmm. um, 9 a.m. 9 a.m. I love it. I'm up early. Let's get it done. Move on with Irish our lives. Coffee. Yeah, yeah that, exactly. Um, so looking forward to this one, I guess, before we move it off the Louisiana tech game entirely, um, any takeaways from the special teams game? Um, I don't think Clemson punted very much in this one. We did punt a decent amount. I mean, I remember seeing us like five <clears throat> kicks, I guess. So I take it back, but yeah. So, um, I do, I mean, obviously BT is automatic when he's on kickoff or field goals. I think Robert Gunn got in there a couple times for, um, maybe a couple PATs. Okay. Um, yeah. So he's getting they're They're, they're bringing him along. <clears throat> Other than that. Yeah. Nothing super crazy, which is I'll take that every day versus some past seasons with uh, special teams. Yeah. Quacking tiger and his recap, everyone ought to go check that out. I know we referenced it a couple of times here. He brought up how Will Taylor does not look shifty or explosive in the punt mm -hmm. return game. I agree. Will Taylor is coming off, you know, what is it? Reconstructive knee surgery. Yeah. Like torn ACL. I don't, yeah. Torn ACL. I don't know that any of us should have expected him and, or is it really best that he put stress on that at this point? Especially um, cutting. Yeah. Yeah. Cutting Antonio Williams being the other guy. And it's like, if Antonio Williams is a spark plug of the offense, do we want to put him in harm's way on punt returns? You got to assume these guys knocking wood are doing the right thing to stay healthy. Um, but yeah, it would be cool to have a, essentially a purpose-built punt returner that we don't need to be the man in the receiving game, you know, mm -hmm. that can get, get a good, I, good chunk of yardage. Totally. I think I know who that guy is, and his name is uh -oh. Drew Sweeney. I there think it is. I think he's the right guy. <clears throat> Your lips to Dabo's ears, Cody. Let's make it happen. Mm -hmm. um, all right. Well, uh, look, a lot to look forward to in this Wake Forest game coming up. Um, guys, I want to flip it to the rest of college football, uh, week three, week four for some teams was a pretty exciting week, um, on, in terms of Clemson's schedule and who we will still be facing, um, NC state had a test. They had Texas tech come to town. Texas tech is not like at the top of the big 12 by any stretch, but that's a team that offensively was, was likely to test that NC state defense. They did not do that. They put up 14 points. This was a blowout from the start. Um, really, NC State, uh, though they only put 27 up on the scoreboard, 
um, really handle this game. So I think they're definitely shaping it into form as Clemson's most formidable foe. Um, ACC Network has not yet given Clemson the night game against NC State at Death Valley in two weeks. We're going to see they have a six-game hold on that. So depending if they take care of business this week, and if we do, we probably will get that bump and that upgrade. Um, I heard from everyone that was at the game that the the new lighting rig at Death Valley with the video board and everything else is like an incredible experience. Obviously, mm-hmm. there was a lot of Ella Strong stuff going on there too for the game this week. Uh, we haven't mentioned that yet, but um, I believe the the memorial service is tomorrow for Ella Brise. Um that's a tough scene overall, but in any event, um, the NC State game should be should be raucous. I hope we get the night game for that one. Yeah, we hope so. And um, you know, thoughts go out to the Brzee family dealing with all of that. For sure. Um, elsewhere in college football, how about Jeff Scott guys? Given Florida all they can handle at home, twenty eight thirty one, a USF dropped that one. I think they had they kind of bungled something at the end where they would have been able it's to a go. field goal. Yeah, yeah. It was a field goal to tie it. That's too bad. Would have been great. a signature win for Jeff Scott. But <laughs> yeah. I don't know, guys, if they're playing Florida close like this, like that signs of life for his program. It's funny though, that's two weeks removed from BYU coming in and just obliterating them. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit mm-hmm. Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde at USF. Yeah, maybe he's coming into a, a, a hot streak or getting involved, or maybe BYU is a fraud because they got beat up by, I think, Oregon uh, or somebody this week. Um, they did. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was Oregon beat him yeah. up. Yeah. 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 So um, I think it's just a, another classic case of Florida being overrated. And they were unranked and they beat Utah and they went all the way up to like 10 or something like that. Then they lost. Um, yeah, so uh, would have been funny to see that happen. <clears throat> Never been a Gators fan. Sorry if there are any Gators fans that listen. Um, uh, I will never forget the uh, Yetus Cletus playoff deletus from a couple of years ago where the guy threw the shoe and then it got them a penalty and they lost the game and got kicked out of the playoff, basically. Too bad. But I mean, um, Billy Napier, though, like he is, he's part of the Dabo tree or is he like, or is he officially not in the Dabo tree with, <laughs> having played uh, coach under Saban? I don't know how that works. It's both. I mean, Dabo mm-hmm. gave him, gave him a shot. So mm-hmm. counts for both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, that, for that reason, I'll, I'll root for Florida a little bit. Like say they're playing Florida state. That's yeah. Fair. Oh, I think Trevor Etienne had the uh, last touchdown in the fourth quarter for Florida. We'll, so. we'll pull for him, even though he didn't choose us. But I, I don't know that we have room for him on the depth we chart totally right don't. now. Next yeah. year, maybe. We'll see. But you can always transfer. Um, Miami guys, they dropped a heartbreaker in College Station. Only the nine points, three field goals on the day for Miami. I was, I was told their offense was really good. Seems the U is not back yet. Uh, A&M, I mean, they, they had to have a bounce back game after losing to App State. So I don't know that we can look too, too far into either of those. Neither of them are playoff teams, so we should probably keep moving. Uh, but we will be playing Miami later on in the season. So it will be interesting to see what they do here under Mario Cristobal. Um, then Pitt won. It seems like Pitt is probably going to be the coastal representative. Doesn't seem like any of the other teams have emerged. 
there's a lot of pain on that on that side of the of the bracket um, in the ACC, like Virginia Tech, Virginia, like all of them are in a complete rebuild under new coaches. Georgia mm-hmm. Tech is probably going to have a new interim coach here coming up pretty soon, and I don't really know. UNC has been pretty quiet since almost dropping that game to, uh, App, to State. App State. Yeah. So Tully, are you so sure that Miami is not the class of the coastal? Like, are, are you so sure that it's Pitts- Pittsburgh? No, I guess I'm not, Cody. I mean, it's between the two of those schools. Um, I, I hate to say Pitts look consistent, but they, they've either won here, they handled a tough, a tough test from West Virginia in that weird opening game of the entire college football season. And I just, I think Miami is just beaten up on like very crappy teams. So I don't think we know yet very much about Miami. I think we know a little bit more about Pitt because they played healthy competition and they lost Pitt lost a close one to Tennessee who seems to be much improved right now. So they seem to hold their own against Tennessee. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to wait until I see it from Miami before I just go ahead and crown them. Yeah. yeah Speaking of, weird. yeah, I was just going to say, speaking of like random teams in the ACC that are a little confusing is uh, FSU versus Louisville. Both of those teams looked like a really crazy battle for <clears throat> both um, I, uh, Cunningham and, and Jordan it, Travis. And then Travis that, went down with the injury. Right. That was a really fun game to watch. I do not know if it's worth your time to go back and do it because it's <laughs> a really sloppy football game, but um, it was fun to watch. Like any, you got to just check in on those ACC Friday night games because mm-hmm. they're usually was, pretty, pretty close, pretty high scoring, pretty spooky in my experience. Not looking at Syracuse at all in twenty like seventeen <laughs> or whatever that was. <laughs> oh yeah, the worst. Um, Syracuse, they escaped Purdue. I mean, they might be the second hardest team that we play in the ACC Atlantic. Uh, we'll have to find out. But and then Notre Dame, we'll kind of maybe wrap it up. With Notre Dame, they. Barely escaped Cal, who's a pretty moribund franchise at this point. Um, mm-hmm. Good for Marcus Freeman to get his first win. It wasn't really in that convincing a fashion, but maybe Drew Pine will be the quarterback that they that they let let rip, or maybe they have another guy somewhere on that roster. Uh, but they're at this <laughs> point not not scaring me as a Clemson fan too much. Nope, nope, nope. And um, I feel like there's one more team that got the crap beat out of them in a uh, beautiful fashion that we should at least circle around to. Would that be University of South Carolina? Yeah, you could call them that. Yeah. <laughs> the, the cock commander. <laughs> home of, home of yes. the cock commander. Yes. So uh, Georgia, I think people were like, oh, is Kirby going to take it easy on them? I don't know. <laughs> the answer is no. I think um, he was trying to take it easy on them. They just couldn't stop yeah. him. No, right. Well, the Rattler is so bad. Yeah. Well, I think you, what you look for then is like, you know, Beamer to try to get his guys reps and like try to run the ball a little bit. And I think they were still trying to air it out with Rattler. So Kirby's mm-hmm. like, all right, let her rip at that mm-hmm. point. Um, Cause yeah, it's still a divisional rival and whatever. So um, I was upset that Georgia let South Carolina score a touchdown. Like a, a, a nice goose egg shutout would have been great. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, Georgia had not allowed an offensive touchdown yet this season through mm. that game. So you would have thought they would have wanted to keep that streak going. So a uh, question for you guys. Well, for, 
I'll say about South Carolina, it's it's so clear their talent level. I mean, it, it just it never it never recovered after Spurrier was uh, after Spurrier left, and it, it just seems like it's gotten even worse recently. But my question is, like, it seems like they've formed a, a consensus or uh, that Georgia is the best team in the nation. Do you guys believe that, or do you? Do you I mean, I know it's not a, a long list right now, but do you think they're like unanimously the the best team in the country from what you've seen? Yes. But um, I, the reason is, Cody, like both Ohio State and Alabama struggled with teams that have then looked kind of mid. And both of those teams have, like Alabama, for one, their wide receiver talent is not there yet. I mean, maybe someone on that roster and they got guys coming healthy, that kind of thing. It's going to work out. Bryce Young's awesome. Um, and with Ohio State, like I just don't think their defense is up to snuff at this point. So, yeah, I, I don't. I don't really see an obvious flaw from Georgia's team just yet. They haven't. I mean, Oregon. They stomped Oregon. Then Oregon beat up BYU, who had a great start to the season. So, I think it's a little early to be throwing transitive wins out. But Georgia does look like the more complete, composed, like firing on all cylinders type mm-hmm. team. And the other two, I think there's that big like drop off after Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia, like. Of the three, Georgia does look like the clear number one to me. Yeah, I'd agree. And then uh, something that uh, we might have to end up discussing is uh, Michigan. I mean, they have scored 51, 56, and 59. Granted, it's Colorado State, Hawaii, and UConn. But, um, yeah, yeah. Three, of the, so, three of the bottom <laughs> ten teams in the country. Like, it yeah. does that, All that tells me is that now they were not going to shut the hell up about Michigan and Ohio State all season so at least they will shut up about Notre Dame so we don't have to hear that all year yeah yeah Ben Ben somewhere I he I, I thought you're gonna give Michigan a compliment there so I, I like Ben somewhere punching a punching bag just listening to this <laughs> he, he hates I've, I've I've penciled in Michigan as a as a final four contender mm-hmm. he hates that and I've been yeah. wrong every time except last season mm-hmm. I mean who like of the teams, I mean, I don't know if you guys are able to look at a top 25 right now, but like Oklahoma to me mm-hmm. looks like more of a top four team than Michigan or like, just cause I don't know anything yet about Michigan. They play Maryland this week. Like mm-hmm. it's another speed bump for them. Um, whereas I think OU and again, they've played some pretty rough teams too, but it's like, I don't know. Yeah, OU, like the, yeah, the questions about Oklahoma were like, are they going to get their offense firing under Brent Venables? And clearly the Jeff Lovey hire was good. Like they have done that. So, and it seems like they retain enough of their talent and or broad transfers in to supplement. I mean, who? I don't think they're going to win a playoff game, but I think they can definitely win the big 12, especially since we saw Baylor uh, drop that game against BYU. Here's an interesting question. If we were to play Oklahoma this Saturday, who would win between Clemson and Oklahoma? This probably Saturday with, with injuries, probably. I would go. Yeah, I go Oklahoma. I think. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> if, I was going to say if, unpopular if, opinion. If, if we yeah. have if we have Brzee and Davis back and XT and the corners are back, then yeah, I think that we it'd be a really good game that we can win. But if everybody's hurt like we were against La Tech, then it's yeah, it's going to go. And Venables well, is going to foam at the foam at the mouth, scoring that many points against Dabo. That's a good question, though, Cody. Like, so Jerry, you're saying at full strength, if 
like Clemson gets its guys right now mm-hmm. on a neutral field. Are you giving Clemson like a three point favorite on this one? The way I've seen DJ play and that he's gotten better. I would say, yeah, I'll give him three points, but I still wouldn't feel super great about like the run game and the push and all that type of stuff. So it's like, we still got to, we, we've done well, but it's like, we've got a long ways to go. And looking at like all these top ranked teams and who are playing. And then again, a lot of the schedule looks like trash in all these different leagues anyways. Like it, the bigger question I'm starting to ask is like, it feels like there's a couple of teams that just mow everybody down and then they eventually have one or two games that are supposed to be kind of close. And sometimes you don't really learn much. So um, yeah, I, it, it's, I want to say I have a better idea who some of these teams are three weeks in, but you know, it's hard to say, but I will go say that. Yeah. I would give Clemson three points, but not a confident three points. My concern would be as that game starts, just Venables making adjustments yeah. and can Streeter keep up with that and can DJ keep up with that? Like, Probably I don't not. know enough about their quarterback and what, mm-hmm. what Wes can throw at him. Like this might be a, you know, who's the matter yeah. scientist. Yeah, exactly. Or like, yeah. Lord of the Rings thing. <laughs> it, like it really wizards. comes the really key to that would be what kind of acronym Todd Bates comes up with before the game. <laughs> Oklahoma. He's going to come up with one with <laughs> Oklahoma. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Only kill, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever. We'll workshop that one for sure. Yeah. Good call. Um, all right, guys. Well, let's let's take a look ahead to week four. Kind of see, see what's on the slate. Obviously, Clemson Wake Forest is going to be on our minds. It's the first game of the game of the Saturday. But anything coming up that catches your guys' eye this week? Hmm. Yeah, it's tough to look because, I mean, Florida, Tennessee, that'll be interesting because Tennessee's ranked number 11. I know they had a player get ejected because he punched um, another guy in the head like three times, which, again, if you're going to punch someone that's wearing a helmet, like just slap them or or face mask them or, you know, freaking judo hip toss them or something like that. Or throat slap. Yeah, exactly. Or ankle pick the guy. Yeah, oddly, Clemson Wake is a ranked matchup. Wake's at twenty-one, so that's mm-hmm. that's gonna be cool. Um, there's some sloppy games. Uh, Thursday is West Virginia, Virginia Tech. Uh, the Hokies are trash this year. That'll be interesting. Virginia, Tony Elliott against Dino Babers in Syracuse. That's on Friday night. That mm-hmm. has the chance to be another sloppy ACC game. So buckle in and check that out. <laughs> um, yeah, you, I don't. You, Utah plays Arizona State, and I know Arizona State just said goodbye to Herm Edwards. But yeah, yeah, I saw that. Is, and there's a, apparently there's an investigation. I didn't know they still did this. Hmm. Uh, for improper benefits, Cody? I, I don't know. You know, it could be something else. but I, yeah, yeah, I made a significant NCAA investigation. Yeah. Hmm. I, think, I think that that's, that part has been underway for some time now. Hmm. But the school is just finally getting around to doing something about it. Um, Arkansas and AM, that's a ranked matchup because of course it is because SEC, but Arkansas mm-hmm. needed all they could all they could muster against Missouri State and Bobby Petrino coming to town. <laughs> so who knows? I don't think they're the number 10 team in the country. I'm not even close. Yeah, yeah, ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I mean it's these weeks where there's only a couple of good games on paper that end up being really interesting. Um, 
and NC State plays UConn. Like, I don't think that's going to be a game that's going to give them much. Like, they're going to be able to use that as as a rester against mm-hmm. UConn to rest up for Clemson. Um, yeah. Whereas we have Wake Forest, so mm-hmm. it is what it is. But I think Te- at, Texas after Texas the Tech. sure that's a, that's going to be a football game. <laughs> so. <laughs> But my thought is like you hear like could Clemson play in the SEC, and if if we're getting to the point where we're so concerned in back to back weeks of Wake Forest and NC State, then I don't think we're ready for the SEC guys. <laughs> oh, I'm not worried about that, Cody. I'm just yeah. Uh, look look at this SEC slate. Like I I think Clemson would be favored against everyone but Alabama and Georgia at this point. So mm-hmm. what about number eight Kentucky? Nah, man. Overrated. Not, yeah, Overrated. I would. I would, t- I would take us, but yeah, it's like talk to your kids about a top ten Kentucky before it's too late. And Kansas, <laughs> and like Kansas is going to be ranked soon if they're not already. Yeah, it's wild. Mm-hmm. This is a wild year. Um, it's just fun. And again, we're at the quarter mark of the season, and I know there's like conference championships, bowl season, playoff, but it's going quickly. Got to savor it. I'm glad there's mm-hmm. more than one crappy FCS game on Thursday. Last week was weird. There's three solid games on this week, so let's make the most of it. Cool, guys. Well, uh, let's wrap it up there. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Thank you to Cody and Jarrett for joining us again. We'll get Ben back here on the podcast soon. We're going to wrap it up there. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Again, please tell friends about the podcast. The best way for us to get discovered uh, by Clemson fans, so we appreciate that. Thank you again, as always, go Tigers.